We're going to go to the book of Ephesians this morning. I want you to look at the fourth chapter of Ephesians, and we'll be reading verses 17 through 25. Verses 17 through 25. Again, the title of the message is Taking Control of Your Thoughts. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So listen to the scripture. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth, listen, is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. I want you to think with me this morning about those thoughts. I want you again to maybe memorize the scripture real quickly. I've already quoted it several times, but it's in Proverbs 23, 7. It's a very simple, just a few words, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I asked you a while ago, I want to ask you again, what are you thinking about this morning? Where is your mind? I imagine if we were just honest and went to a microphone and said, well, I've been thinking about this, well, I've been thinking about this, thinking about this, thinking about this. Is it okay to take just a few minutes, just a few minutes, and be still and know that he's God? And block out everything else, all of those worries, 90% of what you're worried about, it's not going to come to pass. But these words will come to pass because these are the words of God. You know, we're not what we think we are, but what we think we are. We have this grandiose picture. We are all guilty of going to the mirrors. The older you get, the less you go to them, but you, <laughs> you start off young. And we have this idea of who we are, but if we don't think right, we don't do right. And when your mind and my mind is so pulled in every kind of direction, it is extremely hard for me, and I hope and do not believe I'm the only one in the group, but God's ways are higher than man's ways, and they don't just fall on you. The Bible says, seek the Lord and he'll be found. If you want to know what he is thinking, you've got to stop listening to what everybody else is thinking. We get all caught up with the news. We all have our favorite news station. We all want to make sure what everybody is thinking and what everybody's saying and what are they doing and who's going to win this and who's going to win that and what's happening in our world. But the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Did you know that over 300 times in the Bible, 
It speaks of the mind or the thoughts of a person. Over 300 times, it comes back to if you think right, you can do right. If you think wrong, you're going to do wrong. It all starts with the mind. Our mind wonders. Our mind sometimes becomes closed. Our mind sometimes becomes angry. And then other parts of our body, our mouth takes over after that. And, and you just say, well, I'm just going to tell you what I think. And the truth of the matter is, when you've gotten to that level of emotion, you're not thinking at all. You're just saying what you heard somebody else say. It sounded good then when you heard it, so now you're going to throw it out. But the question is, what would Jesus do? This is not rocket scientist thought. But listen to me. When my thoughts are wrong, and when your thoughts are wrong, we do wrong. When we do these things in order to enjoy ourselves, I just want to relax. I just want to have a good time. I just want to do this. I want to do that. If you're not careful, he, if you're a believer, you lose sight of him. You don't sing silently, wherever he leads, I will go. You don't know where he's going. All you're planning is what you're going to do. But it all comes back to the mind. We can't put our mind in neutral. It's going to move forward. It's going to move backwards. But we cannot ignore it. That's the reason you have a gear shift in a vehicle. That's the reason one says D and the other one says R. And don't ever put it in R and think you're going where D is. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Even though that might have been the first letter to come to your mind. That's a lot of our problem. The first word that comes into my mind, I just say it. You know, usually it's ignorance being vocalized. Because if you had a thought for about 10 seconds, you wouldn't have even said that to anybody. Well, I just say what I, I, I just say what I believe. You need to change your belief. We look at the scripture and we look at our own life and I hope I've moved far enough into this message this morning that every one of us is thinking about something right now in our own life. Something may be on the border of out of control. It just may be that we're wrong, but we're emotional about it. So we're going to believe we're right even if we don't know we're right so that we can just get our emotions going. And the Lord comes back and said, please be still. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You know, can you remember when you got saved? Boy, I got to go back a long time. It takes a lot of pages on the calendar. But I remember it like yesterday, the day it happened at the age of seven. And that day, God changed my life. My mind was lazy then, and it can become lazy now. But before I was saved, I did not have the sources that I have now since Jesus came into my heart. When Jesus came into my life and when Jesus came into your life, your life changed. And if you have said the prayer and been baptized and your life hadn't changed, Jesus has not come into your heart. Somewhere along the way, you fell out. 
Some way you read or heard or somebody said, all you got to do is pray this little prayer and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me, and I'm home free. No, the Bible says, except you repent, you'll perish. And the word repent means an about face. You're walking this way, you're doing this, you're talking like this, you're going here, you're going there, and you turn and you start going here. And the mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What would Jesus do? All of those little short things that we say, they all have meaning, big meaning. They're all understandable. And if we'll just put into practice what the simpleness of the Scripture, the simple passages, let me put it that way. Some are a little harder to understand. You need to study, get a concordance, get a lexicon, get whatever. But the simple thing are very clear if we'll just learn them and practice them every day of our life. But when our mind gets lazy, our behavior gets lazy. When our behavior gets lazy, we stumble around. We do all kinds of things without thinking. We never take into account what God is telling us. We block him out and we find out. Get the news on. Get to my favorite station. We all know all the, the news stations. Some of them are here politically. Some of them are here politically. Some are here politically. Some are here politically. We find which one that we think like, and that's all we watch. But God says, my son Jesus, the scripture says, is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you veer from that, when your thought life is not this, but you're waiting to see the latest news and what the stock market did today and who won the ball games, you're in serious trouble. A lot of people think, God help them, that if they'll get saved, they'll never be tempted again. I've talked to hundreds of them. Well, bless God, I got saved today and baptized. Woo, a thousand pounds have been lifted off my shoulders. Well, stick around. You may have 2,000 if you don't get and stay right with God in just a few days. You have to come to that point where you realize that when you get saved, temptation has not stopped. Not at all. Now, this book says no weapon is formed against you is going to prosper if you're a servant of God. But you can rest assured that being a church member is not going to stop the onslaught. Reading your Bible is not going to do it. Even saying a prayer is not going to do it. Your life has got to change. You've got to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Hearing can calm you for a little bit. Be still and know I'm God. But you've got to follow him wherever he leads. Don't you think for a moment, my dear young friend in the Lord, that... that if you are saved, that you're not going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted maybe more than you ever were. The devil sees to that. But we have to decide, what am I going to do every day that's going to keep me on the journey? Listen, the sooner you find out you're on the wrong road, 
the better it is to get on the right road. You can, a lot of us, we, we get on the wrong road and we find out we just speed up. Well, the last time I went to, to geography class, it's 25,000 miles before you get back to where you are, you know, to go around the globe. But when we come to that moment in our life, that when we get that new life and we're born again, old things are passed away, all things have become new, the blood of Christ has cleansed us from all sins, you know who's the next person going to show up? Satan. Satan. Well, I didn't invite him. You don't have to be invited. But when you know he's going to show up, you're ready for him. And by the way, you recognize him when you see him or hear him or feel him or experience him. You know if you're saved. If you're saved, you've enjoyed your last sin. It's over with. I didn't say you quit sinning. I said you quit enjoying it. God will see to that. He loves his children enough that he disciplines us. He corrects us. Yeah, he'll give us spanking, spiritual spanking. But what he wants to do is pick us up and carry us until we get back on the right trail and set us down and say, now, listen, follow me. I don't go to that place. I don't do what those people do. I don't think like those people think. My priorities are not what their priorities are. We're bound for the promised land. We have been born again, saved, and the devil can't stand it. And the demons of hell are his army. And everywhere we go, we are subject to having to deal with them. That new life comes, but Satan does not leave. The good news is that if you become a child of God, Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will always... 24-7, be available to you. Think about that. All of that power through God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit belongs to his kids. And when it gets, I can't say no, I just can't stop doing this. I don't know why, but I just can't. The Bible comes back again. I've quoted so many times through the years. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. If you admit today to yourself, and by the way, until you admit it to yourself, you don't need to go admit it to anybody else. And you realize I got off track somewhere. Who would have ever thought that I'd end up thinking like I think and doing what I do and have the priorities that I have compared to the way it was many years ago? You know, one of the things the Holy Spirit does, it removes our blindfolds. See, some of us, we're just like drunks in the fog with our eyes shut. But God can open our eyes. And when, we open, and when he opens our eyes, we can look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we begin to walk with him and talk with him and sing to him. Praise him. Oh, dear people, feel, please learn. Music is not to satisfy us is to satisfy him. The greatest gospel songs of every generation have been those that have been sung to him. Nobody loves gospel music like I do, any more than I do. But I love any song that'll praise Jesus and lift him up. 
If God would just allow us today to listen, to listen, and to admit, where are you in your spiritual journey? What have you done in the last five years to bring somebody to Jesus? Does a thought ever enter your mind, even though I come to church every Sunday, when's the last time you brought somebody to church that you know needs Jesus? Or get them to watch with you on television or on the radio, listen. That's what we're called to do. The Holy Spirit can lift the blindfolds off of our eyes and can allow us to see what God wants us to see and to do what God wants us to do. That's where we are. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, right now, if you say, you know what, if I was going to grade myself between one in a hundred, I'm not sure I'd get very high up, you know, the, the, the rating. I don't know if it, where I'd be a 10 or a 15 or whatever. Uh, let me tell you something. God can take that blindfold off, get you out of that sand, you're about to go down in it again, and set you on the solid rock. And all you have to do is c confess and repent and receive. Let me remind you of, of Proverbs 23, 7, one more time. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, there's a big difference in generations in a lot of things. Youth perceive authority different than adults. What is an authority to me is not always the authority to the student, to the young person. Every generation changes. The only common denominator is that the devil and Satan penetrates every single life and every single generation. And you have to, have to see, I remember Todd Herring. Todd Herring was a heavyweight fighter, a professional fighter. Ask the Houston Police Department that had been there when Todd was alive. He's the meanest man to ever live in Houston. But he got saved in a Freddie Gage revival here one night, and his life changed like that. I mean, he fought for the world title, heavyweight title, boxer, professionally. But he also boxed up down Telephone Road with beer bottles and everything else. When Todd got saved, <laughs> he just talked like, I mean, he didn't curse, I'm saying, but he just simple. His theology wasn't very deep, but it's very true. He said, you know, when I was growing up, when I heard a child call an adult by his first name, everybody turned out over at that child and say, whose parents do you have? He said, now, if a, if a young person calls you Mr. and Mrs. and shows respect, everybody wonders, whose parent do you have? You see where he was going without being a theologian? He was hitting us right in the face to where we, the longer people live, the less they respect authority. And now it's hit our homes. Didn't happen in my home. And a lot of you, I can just look at you, I can pick you out right now where those did and it didn't. My daddy was a theologian. He was a Bible student, but he also had a belt. Don't tell me. 
Oh, yeah, he did. And so did all my uncles and several of my aunts and all my grandparents. I think they got together somewhere. I don't know where it was, but somewhere they got together and said, you know what? Little cute Johnny isn't near as cute as he thinks he is. And we can change that. And I really believe they did. You say, well, I don't think they've changed you yet. Well, let's deal with that in another sermon, all right? <laughs> I want to say in another way something I've said about three times. But before we're saved, we don't have control of our thought life. We don't. We don't get control of it till, till the Holy Spirit comes in. And then he guides us to the truth. We're born in sin. We're crying, most of us, in the first 10 minutes. We're out of the womb. We're taking charge of the, of the room where we were delivered. But God says there's more to life than what you've seen. Before we were saved, very little control. You see the news this week? This, this, is, a, this is a humor I get out of the news because I like it when the news backs up what I preach, okay? <laughs> Don't you agree that way when somebody thinks like you do, you know? Let me, let me quote you, tell you what was on Channel 2 this week. The morning after the World Series game, the local news was telling the fans how to slowly recover from their drug and alcohol problems. That was Channel 2, Houston, Texas. You said, what does that mean? Well, when the Astros lost... The bet's gone. Yes, you lost. And we go to the bottle. Now, that wasn't from the Bible. That wasn't from a Baptist church. That was from the news media. Problems come. Problems come. And the only way the world knows if they don't know Jesus is to drink more, cuss more, run around more, make new friends, on and on and on. Did you know that when you are young, your thought patterns develop? Children reared in homes where their mothers, dads were in control and disciplined their children. We're blessed far beyond we can think. We cannot in any way when we get to heaven thank our parents that we're disciplinarians in our life. Can't thank them enough. You remember Proverbs 22, 6? If you think what I'm, t I'm teaching is not true, the Bible says train up a child in the way it should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That's discipline. That's child discipline. That's teenage discipline. I didn't outgrow it when I was a teenager. I thought, sure, when I got to be a teenager that I had it made then, I'd tell him how to run the house. Only tried that one time. <laughs> then I had to move clear off to college and move out of town. But I still didn't get away from it. But we start thinking when we're young. And by the time we get adults, we're messed up. Like the old boy said, I'm mixed up as a termite in a yo-yo. <laughs> but somehow, somehow, we come back. We read the Proverbs. As I've told you, I try to read one every day. And we begin to think about what God's plan is for our life. 
What he said, whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. Whoever comes into me, I want to know why it's cast out. I am adopting people to be my children and win the battle on earth and to spend eternity with me in heaven. And it all comes when we come to that moment of just trusting the scripture. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and of the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's Romans 4.12. Romans 12.1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Boy, that's simple. That is simple. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew to understand that. That's the way. That's where the victory comes. When we take Jesus at his word, if you want to change your life, you have to change the way you think. When you change the way you think, you will change what you do. You will change what you listen to and believe rather than as you used to, you would listen to the truth that would set you free, but then you would cast it aside and go back to the old way. Anytime that our hearts and minds changes for good, God begins to bless. The battlefield of Satan is really not the body. Our bodies are the temple of God. We're to take care of our bodies because it is a temple of God. But the battle is in the mind. It's not how many times you can lift the weight, how many miles you can run, how great your body might be. The doctor says that you've got the body of a 30-year-old when you're 85. You need to get a doctor doesn't lie. <laughs> Maybe he just needs your business. I don't know. But, but trust me, that's, that's foolishness. But then you say, well, I just can't change. I've tried and I can't change. You know why you can't change? Because you can't change by yourself but you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You need somebody to block for you. There's not a quarterback in the NFL that could go 10 yards if he didn't have an offensive line blocking for him. You've got to have blockers. I've got to have blockers. We're more than overcomers, but we've got to do it God's way. <laughs> we go out and we see somebody else got something new and say, I've got to have one of those too. Boy, the bell all ring out. Wait a minute, wait a minute. If you have to go ride in it, just call them and get them to take you for a ride. <laughs> and try to get them to tell you what the payments are. <laughs> and you little by little will get back and say, you know what, I think it's, my car's running better than ever. <laughs> I just went through that experience myself. I just put a new motor in the car. And the motor costs more than a car costs. But... That's another day. But here's what I'm trying to get you to do. You quit that look and say, I just can't change. You know, people come to church and they start crying, go home, and they think they got saved. That's not the way you get saved. You don't get saved by feeling sorry for your sin. You get saved by repenting of your sin. 
and confessing your sin and turning and going away. God wants you to go. And the reason you hadn't found in life what you're looking for is because you're looking for the wrong thing. And God says, I got something far better for you if you'll follow me. And many a person has gotten married and said, I wish I'd have followed God. <laughs> and it's usually on both sides. But God has said, I will take care of you. But you can't watch the television and the same movies and the same magazines and be tempted with sin over and over and over again because of choices you make and keep your life together. It cannot happen. The wages of sin, the book says, is death. We fight three major enemies, the old sin nature, the world's temptations, and the devil. Let me say that again. We fight three major enemies, the old sin nature, the world's temptations, and the devil as he tempts us. The world, the flesh, and the devil versus, now listen to this, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and you and me, us. There's four of us and three of them. We have the odds on our side because there's more of us than they are of them. Which side are you on? How many times has Satan tempted you to think about something? And you said, I don't want to think about that. I'm trying to get my mind off of that. And you begin to move in the right direction. And then all of a sudden you say, but I think I'll think about four or five days later. Well, I'm going to think about that again. I'm going to read that again. I, I'm, I'm going to go there again. And things begin to explode. Satan wants to discover the area of my life and the area of your life that is most likely that he can penetrate. If our thinking's not wrong and we have those points of weaknesses, he's going to attack you right there, right there. If you've had trouble getting attention growing up, that's a place. If you just moderately did it for a while, then you become the alcoholic. Nobody ever became an alcoholic that didn't drink their first drink. That's just the way it works. That's the way the devil has planned it. But our life is, is determined by our choices, by our choices. Make the right choice, you'll have the right life. Make the wrong choice, and you'll literally experience hell, hell on earth. We have a mind. Satan sends thoughts into that mind. We either let it pass through or we grab a hold of it and start thinking more and think more. I'm going to go a little further and a little further. I'm going to be a little bolder and a little bolder. And the first thing you know, tragedy comes. Satan, let me tell you, I'm just about through. You know what he's looking for in all of us? Where are you the most vulnerable? Where are you the most vulnerable? Think about it. Where's your weakness? We all have them. Where are they? Wherever that is. Where are you most tempted? That's where you're going to be hit the hardest. Over and over and over and over again. 
Moms and dads, relatives, do you know that our young people, according to magazine articles that I have read, lectures I have heard, most of the young people get their first drink from the liquor in their home and the home of their relatives and close friends. That's where they sneak it out, first one, above all else. The Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. Many a person that was a moderate had an alcoholic develop in their own territory. Abstain from all appearance of evil. All of us are responsible for our lives. If we choose to control our thought life, and if this sermon has had anything to say to you this morning, I want to give you some things real, real quick. Just some one-liners. I asked you earlier, what are you thinking about? Now my question is, why are you thinking that thought? Why are you thinking? Whatever thought you're thinking, why are you thinking that thought? You don't have to keep thinking it. You can turn away from it. What's everything are good? Think on these things of the Bible. Turn from this. Think over here. But there's some movies you can't find anything good in them. But there's plenty of good movies. There's plenty of good books. There's plenty of good people that will help you know the truth. Number two, identify the source from which your thoughts are initiated. Why do you want what, what do you want? Are your motives pure? Why do I keep thinking this thought? Deal with those things. Thank God for our counseling center here at Sagemont and other good counseling centers where we can go, or even a Christian friend that's been down the road longer. We have some fabulous Bible study teachers here and talk with them and help them help you. But you know what? If you don't answer this one question, if you keep on doing what you're doing right now, where is it going to lead you? Where's it going to lead you? If you decide, I'm going to stay this course, where are you going to end up? If I keep thinking these thoughts, are they going to lead me to my life's goals? Or are they going to lead me to life's purposes? That's for you to decide. You know, the school prepares kids to reach their goals. That's what a student ministry does and a church and parenting to help our young people. That's the reason we're talking about Envision so much. We've got to help these young people to be everything God put them here to be. They ought to be the best prepared young people on the planet to bring this planet to what it needs to be until Jesus comes back again. So your question to the Lord is, Lord, what would you have me to do? You know what he's going to tell you? Follow me. That's what he's going to tell you. Follow me. Why do we sing that song, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? I'm partially responsible just by saying it so much because when I was saved, that's what they were singing. When I was called to preach, that's what they were singing. And it's still my favorite song. And my future is just that. Wherever He leads, I'll go. Can't we be in one accord on that? Are you ready for him to lead you when you get up and leave out of this building? Are you deciding, I'm not going to go down that road anymore. I'm going to find me a new way to get there. 
You know, if you're traveling to Houston, you're going to have to find a new way to get out of town from all, what I'm seeing on the news. I mean, it's not going to be long before we all stay home. Maybe we'll have revival when that happens. I don't know. But memorize God's Word. Screen it. Make sure that you're looking for the answers of the question that you have or the thing that you really need in your life. Select your friends that you'll be with and live with. Admit the truth. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus in my life. And then finally, cultivate. Get around you everything it takes. Jesus said, I'm the water of life. We get together with each other. That's what worship is about. Where one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. And we become the child of God. So here's the final words from the scripture, Philippians 4:19. No, excuse me, 4:8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Never give up and never give in. He that's in you, if you invite him in, will be greater than anything you ever come up against.